you know, literally, if you gave me two words, you know, to describe you what I'm doing, I would say eco flipping. Like that is actually what I would say to you. But there's a huge difference in what it means because third party certification means adherence to certain standards that have to be not only done, but defended and understood. And so the buyer of this home is going to know exactly what is behind all of their walls, what the source of the materials are, the processes that went into all of it. Welcome to the Home Green Homes podcast. This is Izumi Tanaka. I am a green realtor and host of this show. This is part two of the last episode with Steve Matlock, a sustainable real estate redeveloper. In the last episode, he told us about the genesis of his company, Traditioned, which is a business name that combines the words traditional and efficient. In part two, Steve talks about his current project in Los Feliz, a hillside neighborhood in the greater Hollywood area of Los Angeles. He shares his vision for this almost 100 years old classic Tudor style home. I had an honor of visiting the project that you're working on in Los Feliz. Tell us about that project. Um, I know it, it's a 1920s or 30s. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> 1930s. So um, again, John and Josh and I connected really in earnest uh, in the early fall, mm -hmm. right? The fall of 22, yeah, early fall, maybe late summer, but mm -hmm. sort of number of 22. And we decided that we were going to go after this vision. Uh, and what's really nice about it is that what that means is that we need to do a project and another right. and another project. So we started um, looking at homes. And again, this is sort of Josh's forte. So mm -hmm. it was, it, we made quick work of it and we put in offers on several places and, you know, we wrote letters and, and actually the nature of the letters was interesting to the sellers. We said, listen, we want your home um, and the legacy that you built there, whether that was 10 years or, or you know, 50 or 60 years in one, mm -hmm. instance, um, we want to honor that legacy and we want to make your home very relevant and in fact you know in its own way a demonstration um of of what the next hundred years of sort of home utilization should be and we just want you to understand we're not offering you a discount to other bidders <laughs> we we want to buy your home for the full asking or or more you know mm -hmm. or on par with other bidders but at this moment of transition what we want to do with it is we want to apply this priority alongside the priority of form. Um, and we, 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 we attempted to buy a couple of properties. Um, actually, we attempted to buy one property um, that we did not get. Uh, we looked at probably four or five others. And then we found this one in um, Los Feliz that is really, I mean, we, we were enamored with it. Um, so it's you know a single family home in Los Feliz. Uh, a little less than uh, half an acre. Um, the home itself is is quite large as it is, about 50, mm -hmm. a little over 5,100 feet, um, although we're expanding it. We can talk about that because I actually think that sort of my evolution might be of interest to some folks. 
Um, it was built in 1933. Uh, it technically is what's called an English Tudor revival. It was designed by a noted um, architect uh, named A. Godfrey Bailey, and it was designed for the Halsman family. Um, and it's really, it's just, it's a gorgeous property. The family that owned it um, was also a bit of a noted family. I'm not going to go into that just for privacy reasons, but um, I think they were really great stewards of it for like four or five mm -hmm. plus decades. Um, the last decade of which though, it was not well stewarded. Mm -hmm. um, to do again with family dynamics and the matriarch of the family was aging and ended up needing to move into a different living environment and the family just sort of left the home. And so mm -hmm. the home kind of was untouched for, we don't know exactly how long, but like 10 to 12 years mm -hmm. and um and and was in disrepair like in a lot of ways and what's interesting about that was that was an ideal candidate for us because we are looking to change basically every system in the home because any system that was again sort of designed and developed and installed you know, 20 years ago 30 years ago 40 years ago does not take into account modern priorities and changes. Now, there is a difference between systems and, and materials. We are trying to maintain mm -hmm. as materials as we can because, well, it's a sunk cost. <laughs> I don't know where those floors were harvested mm -hmm. ago, or 90 years ago or 80 years ago or whenever they were put in, but they are there now. Exactly. And maybe a decision, you know, could have been more thoughtful 70 years ago, but who was thinking about it 70 years ago? Right. <laughs> no way we can look back and like blame anyone, but it's there now. And so things like flooring, um, you know, we, we try to maintain, um, you know, you and I were actually looking at the tile work. Right. Really like special, but the problem is, is that it's tiling spaces that don't funk, don't, I, I'm always cautious with fun form and functions. I really want function right. to like, operating but sure. form doesn't isn't usable in sort right. of a modern sense and so almost certainly um you know all of our planning we're, we're you know four and a half four months into into planning um and the intent is basically to reframe the entire second floor i mean i showed you mm -hmm. of shocking that you know there are four corners to the house and in three of the four corners are occupied by closets closets uh-huh and, and what's interesting is that we also, it's, it's got a beautiful view up the hill <laughs> observatory and a beautiful view down the hill to downtown. Well, what's interesting is that the Griffith observatory was constructed in 1935 mm -hmm. years after this home was constructed. So no one was thinking about looking up the you know right. the park and the observatory and downtown Los Angeles, yeah. while it existed, did not exist in its current form with skyscrapers. That mm -hmm. did not exist in right. 1933. And parameters have changed. And so reframing you know, the second floor so that the living spaces are in the corners and have the benefit mm -hmm. of you know, sunlight coming from two directions and have views of views that didn't exist when the home was first mm -hmm. you know, developed, um, those are all you know, critical elements. Um, so the other thing is, and I'll talk for a moment, if it's okay about sort of our plans and especially. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. So with our home here that I'm in right now, 
we were very, very, very deliberate not to change the footprint at all. Mm-hmm. And that was very much a personal, well, personal priority mm-hmm. that home is plenty big for any family. We're a family of five. Um, for a family of five, maybe plus, you know, a mother or a mother-in-law, like a further mm-hmm. a generation to, to move in with us or like, it's plenty big. And we were adamant, we are not changing the footprint. And I went into this new project with that mindset. And I think it's a fair mindset that, you know, the world, the average, you know, I don't know the exact number, so I don't want to, I don't want to like fool any of your, <laughs> you know, the, the average size, uh, the, the size of the average American home has increased substantially. I think it's now yes. like 28 mm-hmm. square feet, you know, it mm-hmm. was at this point like 19, I mean, it's, things have increased. And absolutely, I understand. And in fact, I feel it in my own world that we live too big, right? And I constantly think, how do we live smaller? How do we live smaller? How do we live smaller? And I took that mentality into this, into this project. And as I spoke with John and Josh about it, I realized that we can only control what we can control. Mm-hmm. And the buyer of sort of a, I don't know what you'd call it, like a hallmark trophy, like whatever, of a substantial property is going to buy a substantial property regardless of what I do. Yes. Going to cause someone to want to downsize into 2,100 square foot when they're looking for a 7,000 square foot. Not going to happen. And in fact, I think that that is um, a lot um behind the success of, of companies like, like Tesla and, right. um, you know, Rivian and even like the big automakers, they're now providing what people want just on a different format. Mm-hmm. So I came around to the idea that, you know what, there's going to be a buyer for a half an acre, almost a half an acre in Los Feliz with a big home that has things like spaces, for a gym you know, mm-hmm. or a viewing room or, mm-hmm. you know, a yoga room. I mean, these are things that people are looking for. And whether I provide it or not, they're going to buy that property. Right. And so my thinking switched. What could happen if we could actually offer a 7,000 square foot home or even more to that buyer? Who, by the way, has a carbon footprint that generally is average because of their capacity to mm-hmm. spend and consume and use disposable income and whatnot. So generally speaking, like all consumption is not equally, you know, divided and their footprint is in fact larger. Say a lot of those people, especially because they have disposable income are thoughtful about their consumption. Right. They're not necessarily willing to shrink it. <laughs> they are very thoughtful about it. And we talk all the time about the irony of of the consumer who both wants luxury, but they also want to save the environment. And, you know, in talking with John and Josh, I really came around to the idea is what happens if we can provide 7,000 or 8,000 square foot house that functions like something much smaller. And we don't know Mm -hmm. what it is yet. We were joking about this yesterday. It might be 4,000. It might be 3,000. It might be 2,000 square feet. But would it be of interest to a buyer to say, you can have it all. Mm-hmm. You can have the performance of, you know, one of the greatest sports car, sports cars at a carbon footprint that is half 
the traditional amount or a third or 20% or 60%. I don't know what the number is yet. And I said, you know what? That's actually, that, that, that merits focus. Like that mm-hmm. actually, people are going to do what people are going to do. Mm-hmm. Buyers are going to buy what people, what buyers want to buy. And if I can offer what they want to buy in something with a footprint significantly smaller, to me, that's, that, that warrants attention. And focus. Yeah. Yeah. So now you are still in the planning process of this project. And you showed me some of the things that you're doing, but can you can you tell me a little bit about some of the challenges that you're running into? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, interestingly, a bunch of the challenges, and I know John was there yesterday, and Josh, both of my partners were there yesterday when you were there. And, you know, John made a comment. Um, and again, John is new to sort of the green. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what I've been doing is sort of providing direction and structure and just knowing what my wife and I went through and, and like pitfalls and sticking points you know, and some of them, it's hilarious, the conversations between us, because I say to them, this is going, this is going to be an issue that's going to be really hard to get, you know, your arms around. And like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. And then we get them, they're like, oh my God, this is so frustrating. (laughs) Yes, I get it. And it took us as kind of, you know, John and Jane Doe, you know, like (laughs) Matloff, like four months to like figure it out. And now we can figure it out literally in a couple of hours because I've been through it. Like that's the benefit of having mm-hmm. for professionals who are experienced approaching this work as opposed to expecting that kind of all of America is going to do it to their own properties. Um, but, you know, John made the comment that from a design perspective, um, it's, there's not that much that, that's that challenging that is function-oriented. The design challenges are design challenges. They are mm-hmm. challenges. And again, John is meticulous, very, very thoughtful about these. And he always joked, this is so it's a, again, a, a Tudor revival. He always joked, he said, we cannot do a Tudor. There are too many like <laughs> elements of a, of a proper Tudor to maintain. And you look at like all the like half timbering and like, right. like get it. But that's one of the, and again, in the same way that with our own home, we said, if we can do a lead platinum home in a historically preserved and restricted neighborhood, that bodes well for us to yeah. do. And I think it's very safe to say that if we can turn a 5,300, 5,162 square foot um, home into a, a, a Tudor revival, into a you know 7,000 plus square foot, like proper Tudor revival, um, and in, you know, and incorporate all of these sort of green priorities, then mm-hmm. kind of do anything. And I will say that that's the, that is the biggest set of challenges, quite yes. honestly, has been form oriented. On the function side, we have a great green raider who I know, you know, Glenn Bolt from ZC Sustainability, um, who, you know, it's it, the, the green rating system, it, I always, for, for some of the people, some of your listeners, I'm sure have been through it. Um, but many probably have not. It's it's basically, I mean, if it's like a it's a project defense. It's kind of like a like a like a like a college thesis, right. like a college thesis defense. You know, you're basically going in front of the USGBC and saying we believe that this home is a 92 point home, a 98 point home, an 84 point home, 102 point home, whatever it is. Um, and, and this is why, here we go. 
You know, it's got access to public transportation. All right, point. It's got access to green space. All right, point. Some of these things are literally just characteristics of, mm -hmm. all right, um, you know, here's the installation of the board, like literally going through the thesis defense. And so Glenn is that person. Um, but we also, you know, say to Glenn, listen, we want this, like we are committed to this. It's not, we, we're not looking like side skirt anything. We want to do the things that lend to the performance required for independent third-party certification. Mm -hmm. Because you get flippers, house flippers, you have no idea what's behind the walls. None right. ever. You don't know what's been done with the electrical, with upgrades. You don't know what's been done with... You have no idea. And in our case, which is something that I think will add to value, there's total transparency. Mm -hmm. right, we've got our book over here. You end up with a book that is basically mm -hmm. thesis defense on all of the points that have been accumulated and why, like what are the elements that lead to that three points, to that one point, to that 11 right. points, right. you know, what are the actual, you know, innovation and design like things that you've done that warrant those points. And so we've said to Glenn, we understand that we have to be arm's length, but at the same time, we don't want to, we don't like, there's like dog and, you know, cat, like mouse, whatever. <laughs> We don't want to do any of that. Right. We want to get a home that abides by all of the restrictions of the third-party independent certifier. We don't want anyone to take our word for it. Mm -hmm. That is totally unique within the world of flipping, right? Yes, yes. Like, people said to me like, oh, you're flipping. And I said, well, you know, literally, if you gave me two words, you know, to describe to you what I'm doing, I would say eco-flipping. Like, that is actually what I would say to you. But- there's a huge difference in what it means because third-party certification means adherence to certain standards that have to be not only done, but defended and understood. And so the buyer of this home is going to know exactly what is behind all of their walls, what the source of the materials are, the processes that went into all of it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that there are buyers out there who both want luxury and want to be environmentally friendly and would love to know that they actually are not, yes. not greenwashed, yeah. but that like, here are the points that have been accumulated to get you to platinum. Mm -hmm. So actually the challenge, actually you asked what the challenges have been. The biggest challenge right now on the function side is that we are solidly in, in terms of planning, right? Cause we haven't, executed we're still in planning right. mode we're still we actually hope to have sort of a, a draft set of permit plans by the end of next week mm -hmm. um, the city yet but but we are close um planning uh you know we have a 12-page document that that glenn is has created that is a part of our priorities in as much as anything on the form side of the equation and one of the biggest challenges is Right. So one of the elements of the USGBC's lead system is if you are above the you know average size of a home, mm -hmm. you get penalized. And so a seven thousand plus square foot house gets penalized a lot. Uh -huh. We're solidly in platinum. Right. But the penalties right now we're falling down into into gold. Gold. Awesome. And and functionally it will function 
as platinum, no matter what. It's just a size issue. And again, buyers are going to be buyers. If someone wants a square foot house, then Mm -hmm. it's going to be an issue. But we're we're figuring out, all right, what are the things we need to do to to reclaim Mm. other points? Again, I'm not the best person to talk about. You probably have had many others who can, but again, for, for certain attributes of the home and certain attributes of product in the home and certain, you know, processes for installing and, you know, building, you get points. And so there's no just one way to get to, you know, certification or, you know, to silver or to gold or platinum. There are a lot of ways. Exactly. But there are inherent costs associated with it. And so we have said, okay, we've gotten penalized, you know, X points because of size. Are there ways to, to, to minimize that, um, that penalty mm-hmm. and there are and then are there other points that we can prioritize getting which affects the function of the house that can bring us back up and so that i think actually that's the answer to your question about challenges that <laughs> challenge right now is how do you deliver what someone is going to want mm-hmm. in modern kind of lifestyle expectation right um, but offer it in this highest level of certification. And that's a challenge that we will continue to face. And I will say, if we get there, if we don't get there and we end up lead gold because we're lead platinum functioning, but we have penalty points, it'll be okay. Yes, I would say so. But if we can get back to platinum, it'll be totally, totally unique. Yes. To have, you know, a 7,000 plus square foot house that's lead platinum despite all the penalties would be an incredible feat. And that would be part of the story. It would, it would be part of the story for yeah. sure. And mm-hmm. I don't know that we'll get there. I'm not not promising anything, but um, that well, is either, a huge challenge. Either way it turns out, I think that's that's a great story to tell when when you know when you're ready to start marketing. And so it kind of takes me to my question of your vision. Because when you and I met first time, you were talking about how you want this to scale. Yeah. And in this particular project that you're you are undertaking right now, that's going to be definitely in the luxury or high end uh, market. Yeah. But uh, we talked about how, you know, this could be scaled down to smaller um, properties. And, and isn't, isn't that your vision that you were sharing with me? Yeah. So, I mean, listen, the vision is 140 million structures, right? And that's, that's right. <laughs> there's a huge range in what that means. Um, mm-hmm. Smallest to the biggest, to the simplest, to the most complete. Like, yes. I mean, the vision is 140 million. Um, I will definitely say that I am, I am borrowing from my business school days, thinking about like product development work mm-hmm. and in going after this particular project, um, which is that, you know, if you look at the world of like auto racing, mm-hmm. It's very sexy. It's very glamorous. And a huge part of it is testing products that then make them make their way into the consumer market. So this example that is, is, is tire technology, right? So the, the tires on, you know, your Prius and my Prius and, you know, (laughs) volts and bolts and Tesla's and, and (laughs) and sort of everything actually originated on racetracks. Mm. where they sort of tested it at the highest limit and then it makes its way down um i also think about 
um, like the Rodeo drives of, of the world. Like we're in Los mm-hmm. Angeles, right. Or, you know, the equivalents in Chicago, the Michigan avenues or the equivalents, you know, in New York, it's, it's no, it's no mistake that all of the most sort of expensive luxury brands have presence in those areas, but where they make a lot of their money is not on Rodeo drive. They make them in sales in other, you know, other, other locations, whether it's, I mean, literally all the way down to, to um, like outlets. Um, But there is something about sort of establishing a brand Mm -hmm. level and then having it trickle um, into kind of the broader population. So 100%, the vision is 140 million homes. The real vision is to inspire others to join us in the effort of targeting 140 million homes. And then obviously we have you know, it's interesting. It's very interesting. There's, there's been a lot more. Well, again, I'm not the best person to talk about this, but I feel as though there's been a lot more progress in the commercial space. Mm-hmm. It's been in the residential space. Mm-hmm. It makes sense economically yeah. for, for structures to be efficient. Exactly. In fact, our solar installers, they actually have two different buildings um, that they operate, that their staff operates. One of them was actually upgraded substantially. The other one was not. And all of the staff wanted to be in the new. Of course. You know, like, up, yeah. And not just because it was new and sexy, but it was just the lighting, you know, was yeah. more conducive to health. And I mean, there are all these incredible elements of like, you know, especially, in fact, I just read this morning that Stanford just published uh, uh, a paper and a peer-reviewed article on the connection between, you know, the use of gas stoves and homes and carcinogens. And I know this is like a big political issue right now, but but like these, these ideas have really percolated to the top in the commercial sector and within the residential sector, the place where I've seen it most. And again, I have not like studied this completely. So I'm not the best person to speak about, but in the low income housing market, mm-hmm. a focus on, on, um, on sustainability. And, and a part of it is that it's usually a third party. It's not yeah. like, it's not usually owner occupied it's usually like rented and there's like an owner and, and there are incentives around this, but it also reduces operating costs, which in a low mm-hmm. income environment is critical. I yes. mean, if, if you, if you don't have to pay $110 a month for electricity and instead you only have to pay 20, right. What about the $1,600 in the, right. 60, I mean, if you exactly. could pay 20 instead of 80, that's critical. So yep. Absolutely. The vision is 140 million, you know, homes. And that's only in the U.S. I mean, I would love for this to be, you know, worldwide. I mean, it's every structure. There's like literally drive down the street and all of those are our targets, not necessarily for us to do, but to inspire us and others like us. And so we're starting with a really big, like, I don't want to call it a trophy property, but like, something that really makes a huge splash mm. who our buyer will be, you know, eventually, um, obviously like, I don't know, like sometimes you hope that it'll be someone who is really, really committed to the environment in a very public way, maybe has a very public persona and wants to buy a tradition home, you know, as sort of our first, you know, owner, I, I yeah. hope, but listen, yeah. it may not be, it may be, someone who has the capacity and has the commitment and, and has the commitment quietly. 
and wants privacy. And obviously that's okay too. Like buyers are going to be who buyers are going to be, right? I mean, that's like another major mantra. Um, but absolutely the vision is the entire market. This is literally our, I guess technically this is our second project or this is my second project because our home is our first project and and I am not a, a big you know public persona, but we do share this space publicly quite a bit. There's actually a great LA Times article about our home and our family and specifically focused on the, um, on uh, our landscaping and mm -hmm. management of stormwater and, and gray water utilization and whatnot from last, I think September it appeared online and then October it appeared in print in the LA Times. Um, but, but the goal is absolutely, there is no, there is no project that we don't want to take on because the entire built environment needs to be redeveloped. And I will say also though, that there, there are some projects that, that I think lend themselves to this better. Mm -hmm. They all get there, but like, I don't, I don't, it's, it's a struggle because if you have like a roof, I mean, for instance, actually this project that we're doing, there's part of the roof was redone nine years ago. Mm. I mean, it's, it is an existing sunk cost. It may not be, you know, like I showed you a, a piece of tile from our own roof and it's, you know, made from post-consumer waste, not entirely, but a huge portion of, um, it is recyclable. So it has cradle to grave sort of responsibility. Um, it, it's a, it's a great product. Uh, it's reflective, it's light in color. So it's reflective. All these things are great, but what the roof on this house has going for it, that this other roof product doesn't is that it's there. Right. And if we take it off, then it's waste. Yes. And it's something that I struggle with a lot because that's just a roof. Take that into the systems. Let's mm -hmm. take back system that was installed, you know, 15 years ago. And it's, I don't know what, like 13 sear, mm. you know, and by comparison here in our home, you know, our, our sort of collective heating and cooling is 22. Sear. Wow. So it's like, I mean, we've been told that like our installation is just commercial grade. Like they, they mm. seen it in residential installations. Um, but like that 16 sear unit, 13 years, it's a lot better than something that, you know, was 20 years before. And exactly. so I kind of want to go after the older ones first. Mm. Won't go after newer sure. ones. But, you know, I, I don't... Retiring things before their useful life is always difficult. Exactly. Yeah. You don't want to waste, mm -hmm. but sometimes they are wasteful. Right. But comparatively speaking, if I can get, you know, an HVAC unit out or refrigeration out of a home and it's 40 years old versus one that's 15 years old, I'd rather take the 40 years, you know, sure. and, and upgrade and retrofit that one first. But, you know, we're just going to have to see, I mean, again, the nice thing is that there are natural transition points. Mm -hmm. People come and people go. People want to inhabit spaces, people want to sell. And that is the moment of opportunity. It's not when my family and I are all living here and on a Saturday we've got, you know, workers all around ripping up, you know, drywall so that they can put in proper insulation. It's when the natural transition point hits, someone who knows what they're doing and has experience with it takes control they make decisions in 40 minutes and not four months. And the beautiful thing is that at the end of it, 
a buyer gets to finance all of it as part of a traditional mortgage. Mm -hmm. It's not a $70,000 solar array or a hundred thousand or 30,000. It's not, you know, all the cost of removing, you know, either drywall or stucco and putting in, you know, insulation and changing all the windows, like all of those expenses, but they are expensive period. Like yeah. doing is expensive. Mm -hmm. If it's done and then offered to the market, then the whole thing just naturally is financed right. for whatever period the yes. buyer would. And that in and of itself is a totally different approach mm -hmm. to the process of redevelopment than expecting people to do it to their own structures. That's so true. Perhaps along the way that your project has moved along, I would love to have you back and you know, see what's happening with your projects and, you know, what more challenges or maybe some other excite, excite, exciting elements may show up. So I would love to have you back. So um, can you tell us how you, how people can find you, how, how yeah. people can reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have sort of all the social media channels in place, but we're honestly, we're not using them. Uh -huh. You know, we are in a, with this first project, there is discovery. I mean, there was huge discovery with our house. Right. Benefited us tremendously, but there continues to be discovery with this project. And the worst thing that you can do is like set expectations for a timeline and the next right. visibility study goes long and yeah. stuff happens. Like that's, <laughs> that's part of what causes you right. know, homeowners to not want to engage in this stuff. So <laughs> we have not populated any of those channels. If anyone is interested Listen, I, I will say if anyone wants to reach out for any reason, maybe they have experience that conflicts with these ideas. I mm. welcome, I totally, I mean, poking holes in the vision is critical and I welcome it. If people have experiences and ideas that are consistent, I would love to hear from you. If people mm -hmm. are interested in tradition as an entity, I would love to hear from you. If people are interested in the Los Feliz project, I'm happy to, to hear from you. Um, and what you can do is email me. It's the easiest. My first name, Steve, S-T-E-V-E, -E, at traditiont.com. And again, tradition is the combination of traditional and efficient. So take the trad, T-R-A-D from traditional, and uh, the I-C, I-E-N-T from efficient. Yeah, Steve at tradition.com. <laughs> and please, please, please get in touch. And uh, I'm happy to connect and to discuss anything. Quite honestly, I'm happy to show you the projects, you know, now or as we evolve mm -hmm. um, in touch. And again, Izumi, I appreciate your leadership in, in bringing this community together and identifying, you know, interesting and noteworthy um, efforts within it. And I, and, you know, I appreciate you putting us into that category and, and having us, you know, on today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. It's again, it's very inspiring and exciting to, to know you and, and get to get to observe what's going to happen with your project and, you know, walk along your journey. And I'm so grateful. Thank you so much, Steve. This My was pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you, Azumi. Yes, thank you. This was Izumi Tanaka with Home Green Homes podcast until my next episode.